You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and creator of The Deb Method for Goal Setting Simplified. And every week, I bring together three friends to dive into the topic of the week because you can't reach your goals on your own. You need your people. So let's be each other's people. Uh, the Deb, you may be watching this live as Goal Chat Live. But on Thursday, it magically becomes an episode of the Dev Show podcast on the Marketing Podcast. So whether you're watching us live, the replay, or listening to us, we are glad you're here choosing your goals. And I'm so excited to dive into the conversation on engaging meetings. So this is a, I'm going to say, recurring-ish adjacent panel uh, because Bobby Carlton and John Jahan, who are my dear friends from the speaker world, and then Phil Marchand, who I know from the real-life people world, uh, when I did events for Social Media Marketing World. And we are all speaking at John Jahan's The Engaging Conference. So this annual um, Goal Chat Live slash The Deb Show is dedicated to something or other to do with engaging meetings. And let's just call a spade a spade. It's engaging meetings. So why don't you all share, other than I think I just said how I know you all, introduce yourselves and why you are so excited to dive into today's topic. Uh, let us start with you, Bobby. <laughs> All right. So, hi, my name is Bobby Carlton. I'm the founder of Innovation Women. Innovation Women is an online speaker bureau designed to connect event managers with awesome speakers who just happen to be women, mostly. Uh, we also encourage male allies and people of color and other groups who are underrepresented on stage to join us. And one of the reasons that I'm so excited to be back and talking about engaging meetings is, as Deb mentioned, we've been here a few times having this extended conversation, and it's always a barrel of laughs and a ton of fun. And I'll always learn something too, mostly from John. <laughs> and there you go. And I just realized that that I changed the pictures and did not change the topic. So the 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 card, which will be fixed on the recap, says it's on speaker fails, which is what we talked about last time. But this is indeed <laughs> on engaging meetings. And I think, I, isn't this a lesson to just embrace the speaker fails? Oh, yeah. I, I, I love the irony Good of work. that. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag winning. <laughs> so, John, um, please share who you are, why you're here, and et cetera. 
Wow. Well, I'm the author of a book called Engaging Virtual Meetings, and I'm here so that Deborah Eckerling does not find me. No, just kidding. Uh, I am also the convener of the Engaging Conference. This is our fourth conference, and this year we really looked at the secrets of planning engagement for conferences, summits, and masterclasses. And Deborah, I just really want to share this. You know, what could not have been engaging was a, a friend asked me about an employee appreciation day they were going to do. And it was like a hybrid with pods, like over eight, 900 people were logged on and uh, they were going to try and do it themselves. But luckily they called me. And I thought one of the highlights, Deborah, is that they had a talent show, but nobody submitted videos for the video talent show. It was like, you know, America's got talent. And I said, why don't we change that to a lip sync? Because it's easy. I'll play the music. All they have to do is, you know, is lip sync to it. And it was an 80s theme party, party, which I think Deborah would have loved. And so they went out there. And while we only had two people signed up uh, in the mid part, it was about 60 minutes for this part. Once we were done, over 12 different pe uh, people or groups from around the country from this company had participated in this lip sync party where they had bought those inflatable guitars and microphones. And they, in one of them, they actually were smashing the the inflatable guitars at the end in, in a highlight. And, and it really came out too where the, the recently uh, new VP and the CEO also did a run DMC duet. And it turned into one of the highlights of engagement where someone came back and wrote, you know, I thought it like I just log into this thing, but I just like, you know, not participate all day. But I just want to let you know, I've been here all day. It's been a blast. It's been valuable. And I'm so excited to get connected with other teammates that were across the country. So that's what I think engagement really should be, Deborah. Well, and you're answering the questions before I ask it, which, by the way, I am totally fine with. <laughs> but, but this is the difference. I, I had a meeting last week with somebody and she said, I just had the most, I just came off the most painful webinar. It is not okay Ouch. to still be hosting painful webinars in this day and age, right? Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. Just say no. Um, and I'm excited. So this is my second year offering the PEP pre-event planning session happy hour on the 20th to get people really excited about the engaging conference. So really glad you are here. Of course, I will put this link in the chat and all this will be in the recap at the devmethod.com slash blog. Uh, but yeah, let's, well, let's let Phil say hi and then we can actually answer questions like that stops us. Phil, <laughs> great to see you. Thanks and I'm glad us. to give away some content before I introduce myself as well. <laughs> um, but no, I won't do that quite yet. My name is <laughs> Phil. I am Director of Experience for Social Media Examiner, which as you referred, Deb, you and I used to have the opportunity to work together. And it's been a while for, uh, since we've been on a call together. So that's really exciting. I'm also the author of the new book called Unforgettable. I don't have a cool graphic on my screen like John because I'm not quite yet a cool kid. So I just carry around the real thing. Um, but she's going to do that too, I'm sure, any second. Yes, yeah, see, I, I, I know John. <laughs> I can't outdo him. Um, but I've got something for you. Normally, I pull out a saxophone when I'm on these calls. But I was at a retreat last week. And the retreat kicked off doing something that probably you and all of your listeners have not done since you were a kid. And that is we all got little kazoos and we all got to explore our voices 
with the kazoo. And it was really fascinating because I ended up becoming the first ever conductor of the social media examiner kazoo orchestra. And, and we were having tapping into our inner child. And I think that's some of what um, making something engaging is, is allowing creativity, allowing people to be who they are, not who they think they're supposed to be. So to that end, let's go. I love the fanfare. And that is a huge part of why I do what I do is I believe everybody should feel happy, fulfilled in some, if not all of their life. If they can't, if they can't fix the big thing, at least do like small things on the side, whether they're passion projects or side hustles or whatever, but find the things, find the joy things. And that I love that analogy, you know, bring the joy into your meetings and then everybody will feel it as well. So thank you for, for the fanfare and the kazoo intro. I can honestly say, I don't think I've had, I can honestly say, I don't think, no, I have never been introduced via kazoo fanfare before. So you never know what's going to happen on Gold Chat I've Live. I've never done it either. So. <laughs> um, so how did you, and I know the answers to this, but people who are listening or watching May not, but can you give me the brief of how you got into the event space? And Phil, let's start with you. Yeah, so my story is very fun. I began by being a computer programmer at Boeing right out of college. And I very quickly realized that's not what I wanted to do with my life, even though I was pretty good at it. But I watched this program called Total Quality Management. And I said to myself, I want to do what that guy is doing. Now, he told me it took him 30 years of being a pastor and having a heart attack to get that job. I figured that's not a good career path. So I, I set on a faster route and I began doing trainings for the nonprofit where I served. Then I worked for a corporate company for three years doing training, went to seminary and became a pastor, which is actually, it turns out, very good training for being um, an event organizer. Um, and then in 2010, on the tail end of the Great Recession, I began working with Social Media Examiner and we pivoted in 2013 from being an online only company to in person. I was that director. And so I've had 20 years of experience doing things that are adjacent. Now I've got about 13 years of actually doing it inside a company, putting on large events. And it, it was, I, I, well, no, it's not. I think I know my last social media marketing world was 2018, which is probably the last time we saw each other, which is, you know, not okay in the Zoom land, but we're correcting that now. But it it's all about, especially where SME and social media marketing world is concerned, is about giving people an experience, which is what you are oh so good at. So love that. And Bobby, how did you get into this world? She says knowing the answer, but wanting Bobby <laughs> to tell people anyway. <laughs> Actually, I spent a good part of my career avoiding events like the plague. So there's that uh, 2008 when the market fell off a cliff and the startup that I was working with ran out of money. I hung up a shingle and opened my, what I call my day job, which is running a PR and marketing firm. And at the time social media was young and I wanted a sandbox to play in. So I started a startup event in Boston based on using social media to help promote local startups called Innovation Nights. And over 11 years, we held 
137 monthly events that helped launch 1,500 new products that got more than $4 billion in funding. Woo! And suddenly I'm the events queen, and I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> the way the best things do, by accidentally, on purpose. <laughs> and, and so, John, what is the short version of how you became you? I was a small child born in the South. <laughs> okay, let, let's fast forward a little. All right. Well, uh, I looked at into this, and on the events side, I mean, I actually grew up in events. So I was a sponsored amateur skateboarder, and every skateboard contest is its own event. And it really wasn't about the contest. It was really about the people and the connection. So I started there. I was also president of Engineering Student Council and the president of ACM, Association of Computing Machinery. And events was one of the key parts, right, to engage membership. People show up, right? And I think that was another key aspect of learning the events business uh, as we were able to do things like quadruple membership by getting the right events in. And then uh, as I went in, I went to Microsoft and, and events, of course, continue to play a piece there. But then I uh, decided to go to a Tony Robbins event. And if you have never personally been to a Tony Robbins event, it's not may not be everybody's stick, but I can tell you this. It's an extraordinary event. I mean, like in the first 30 minutes of this event, people were throwing cigarettes, pills and other things on stage saying that they quit in the first 30 minutes. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Let's figure out how to do that. So I, I've uh, gone through a lot of his other trainings and incorporate a lot of other aspects for that. I'm a 15-year member of Meetings Professional International, and then really used all of it to create this company, which was known as Geoteaming at the time, where I have averaged about 140 to 160 uh, corporate team-building events a year. And inside of that, I mean, you really learn. I think the only thing that I've really learned now in the pandemic, which I think Bobby will love, is that in team-building, you kind of get 1% to 2% of the budget. But now, uh, in the pandemic, I learned how to create virtual and hybrid and, and now even engaging in-person meetings. And now we get all of the budget because <laughs> you run the whole program. And that's what the meeting planner secret has, has always been, is that, uh, that the meeting planner can control quite a few things, especially engagement. And uh, yeah, I look forward to diving into that. But that's how I got into the meetings industry. And uh, I am also to sh uh, proud to share one other aspect, Deborah. I am the one of the co-founders of API Event Profs. Event Profs is the most popular hashtag in the events industry, and API is for Asian Pacific Islanders. So uh, I am the one of the first creators of a Facebook group known as API Event Profs, where we are really looking at the impact Asian Pacific Islanders have in this events industry. Back to you. Thank you, and, and I think that all of that is so awesome. And the common theme, of course, being, as happens, you know, you create your space, right? If there's something that you love and you love it enough, you're going to, um, I was going to say, nudge, fit, you know, find those things in your passion to turn that from, okay, this would be nice to do, even if it's accidental, like Bobby, to being this is the life you want. And, and for me, and I, I did events, my, okay, technically my second job, but my first job job out of college was doing events for Barnes and Noble. So starting arranging bookstore events and getting to a point where I was actually 
you know, at an event at a bookstore is kind of like mind blowing, but I've always been very pro events. You, because as I said before, you can't reach your goals on your own. You need your people. You need to develop these tribes so you can, everybody's part of everybody's tribe, right? It's all about that. Um, relationship development, networking, but also learning things. So event space kind of mushes them together, which we love because it's it basically is anything and everything you need at your disposal in order to build your business, people, and information. Uh, but people still don't all love meetings. So why do people love hate them so much? John? And, and, and I will say originally the question was going to be why do people love meetings? But I really think it is a love-hate. Yeah, no, the hate part are like the multitude of work meetings. I think the higher up you ascend into a, a an organization, the more and more meetings you have to attend. And the real killer of it is the hate is uh, useless, boring, and not effective meetings. You know, the funny part, people talk about how bad virtual meetings were when they got on. Well, one of the people that I contact in doing the Zoom fatigue research, she said, the problem has existed before the pandemic. It's just virtual tools just made it worse. They just magnified how bad it was. It's things like no agenda, right? People don't even know why they're there, right? The wrong people are there. Uh, people who don't moderate and try and keep the, the conversation going forward. I think all those are on the hate side and I hate them too. I, nobody wants to go to a meeting where you only have 40 hours a week, quote unquote, to get something done and you want to spend one or two hours in there uh, in a useless meeting doing nothing, you know, I think that's really key. So in the love part, though, in the meeting, I mean, look at the world open up again. The love fest is definitely here. There are people who are loving the, you know, get back in touch and, you know, hug each other and all that other, you know, in-person types of things that uh, I think people finally realize, I think they took it for granted. And I think they finally now realize how valuable and how important it is and how much they should really plan for it, how much they should really design for it. And then you can get a meeting that you can love. And I can tell you there is a love fest coming back out right now of, of coming back together, right? Doing all the things that you can't do on virtual really well, the sidebar conversations, me whispering to Deborah going, man. Bobby is the awesomest speaker I've ever seen on stage. You know, things like that. You can't, you know, these are all the things that, that virtual uh, can't do. And I think that uh, that's the thing you should love. And we should love the thing about meetings where one magical moments happen. Mm -hmm. Like truly the, what, what was the, the, the quote that I got from this year is from national speakers association. And that quote was goosebumps. Don't lie. And your odds of getting goosebumps in an in-person meeting, I think, are potentially higher. But, they, you know, that's what you should really look at. That's what you should love meetings because those things only happen when that collection of people come around. And then I love the things that happen serendipitously. You know, I'm just going to say that lip sync party could have been a disaster. And then it turned into like one of the greatest things. And that's what happens when you get meetings and the right pieces together. I want to leave this last piece, Deb. In a meeting, things should happen that can't happen by yourself. They should only happen with a collection of people, like decision-making, right, uh, brainstorming, creativity, not a report, and not a diatribe. So that's what I think. I love it. And I'm sure Phil has some 
even more to add on this. Yes. Oh, of course. I'm, I was gonna, I was afraid you were going to say I was going to do better than that, but I'm, I will add to that because <laughs> I don't know. Yes, we're gonna... very yes and. Yes and. Yes shows. and. For sure. So, you know, in terms of like, why do people hate meetings? This question was postured to me. You know, could that meeting have been an email? Yes. We've all heard that said, right? Well, could that workshop or that webinar or that event have been a meeting or an email? That's the way I think so many feel when they have gone to these conferences and events that are out there. They're bored to death. They're wondering why they're there. They're feeling forced. They feel like a cow who's lined up to get inoculated for the flu or whatever's coming out. That That is the way it often feels when you go to events. It's like, I know I'm supposed to be here. I hope there's something good that comes out. But the effect of it is like an inoculation. You got a small dose of the real thing, but you didn't actually get the real thing. I think that is why people hate it is like they know they have to do it, but they really dread it. And there's a lot of better things they could be doing with their time. But why do people love it? And I think I agree with all that John said in terms of the in-person versus the online, but goosebumps do happen online. John, you witnessed that at the event I ran last month. It can happen if people show up. I think the way people show up in person though is so much greater. And that's why in 30 minutes, people are making life-changing decisions at a Tony Robbins event. Um, it's, and there's a lot of things that are going on there that he's set people up for, but I would imagine that would be very difficult to happen in an online event. Um, I was at a retreat last week where we did a bunch of crazy things together as a staff. And some of them, you could look at the agenda and say, why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? It doesn't make sense, but it all had a purpose and it led to some breakthroughs that happened toward the end of the event because we had created these common memories together. We had done things together that you would never have chosen to do on your own and you're because of that, you're getting outside your comfort zone. And when you get outside your comfort zone, you're open to new ideas. You're open to new ways of seeing things and the way others on your team or the others in the world see it. And so I think that's part of why we love it is not necessarily the pain of doing something uncomfortable, but the joy of what happens on the other side of it, the breakthrough, um, explosive ideas that can emerge, the, the new connections with someone that maybe you thought you didn't get along with. Now, all of a sudden you realize, wow, this is my new best friend. Like Deb, you and I met that way. I watched you in action and said, Hey, we've got to be friends. There's this thing we need to solve together. Cause I saw something in you that if it had remained online, never would have happened. So I think, People love it because of those experiences they can have, the breakthroughs that can occur when they leave the the office, they leave the home, they are in a new situation where hopefully you've created this environment where they're entering into this other world, so to speak. And all of a sudden, they're able to look at their life and look at possibilities in a very different way. And I think that's what people love is when they walk away with those ideas and then hopefully go back home and and do something about it. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And, and I do remember before I worked that first social marketing world, I said, well, we don't know each other very well, but you do not want me in a corner spinning signs. We need to find projects for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do remember that. And you were much more than a sign spinner, although I think you can spin signs. You know, I've never actually tried 
But I think that's what led to me creating table talks for that very first social media marketing world we did together. So there you, you go. Spend topics, not signs. I do. This is true. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, Bobby. Why Bill took what I was going to say. <laughs> if you weren't coughing, I would have gone to you in alphabetical order first. There's more to be said. Oh, yes. There's so much more to be said. I mean, where else can you go to exotic places, meet fascinating people, and get coughed on them and get COVID from them? <laughs> what? Gee, uh, from experience much? Yeah. <laughs> I am still positive. <laughs> But you're here because we're in an right. online setting and still yeah. available to connect with and share your wealth of knowledge. Exactly. So even though I managed to avoid COVID for three and a half years, I did manage to pick it up 10 days ago at an event. Still love seeing everybody, not loving getting COVID. But <laughs> virtual events allow me to safely hang out with my friends and not spread the joy of having uh covid so yay team yeah john's like thank you um i mean i'm not gonna lie i love going to a physical event seeing people i'm a hugger uh you know i i actually every single week host an event called speaker friend friday uh, some weeks I host two of them in a single day and we have anywhere between 50 and a hundred people that show up for these on a weekly basis and people get so excited. They make new friends, they make new business contacts and like really the only thing missing for a lot of them is connecting in person I think that's probably the second most common question I get. Bobby, when are we going to do an in-person event so we can all meet each other? Like this is a crowd that sends me text messages with pictures of them meeting their speaker friends when they go and travel to an event and speak somewhere. They always figure out like which innovation women members are in that city. They reach out, they have coffee, they have brunch, they're having a good time. They're sending me pictures, making me jealous, but it's really like kind of cool to see those connections happen and be nurtured in a virtual environment and then continue through to an in-person event. I am so with you. And so you do a West Coast friendly, which is nine Pacific as opposed to nine Eastern, which is the one that's every week. So I do, I do try to come to at least one, if not both of the West Coast friendly. Um, and it's honestly my favorite networking event. Um, John's conference accepted. You know, John, love your online conference. It can be that favorite. But Bobby, every week I will meet, and you know, I host these meet and greets for potential guests and some of the people, if I just meet them at speaker friends in the breakout room, I'll just book them. Everybody else I say, come, come to one of my Wednesdays meetups so we can really get you on my show on the right topic. But it's a great opportunity because we meet, we connect on LinkedIn, we continue conversations, which is um, a point to be underlined. Online is great for starting relationships. 
Absolutely. And I think giving people the chance to connect is so important in virtual events. So the way that speaker friends work is we do introductions, super fast, very basic, 15 seconds. Then we do discussions and questions. And at the end, we leave time for breakout rooms, smaller groups for people to get to know each other. This is, you know, Bobby, you got to add in here for all the people who complain that they can't do networking online. You got to hang around a few of us because I think that's where I've done the best networking. Obviously, in the last three years, it's so much better, so much faster. Right. We talk about love, hate meetings. Here's things to hate about the in-person networking, driving, traffic, parking. (laughs) <laughs> walking, even walking from the parking site to the inside, you never know what you're going to get. Right. And then it's like, and you end up spending three, four hours for like a one hour networking piece, depending upon where it's at. And the traffic is back here in Seattle. Not going to lie. Uh, I had a 20, and in Boston, right. We had a 20 minute drive turn into an hour 20 recently. And you're just missing out going, well, I could have just stayed home. <laughs> I could have clicked a button. And I would have been 10 times as happier and, and you know, achieved the same as or better results. So thank yeah. you for that, Bobby. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> these events we started, they were actually a shift for me because for years I had done a drop in office hours. I called it Innovation Breakfast. And I always made myself available every single week, Friday mornings for the innovation and startup community here in Boston. And I would either hang out at a co-working space or a coffee shop. And if no one showed up, I promised myself I would get work done. It literally never happened. There was always somebody who showed up. And sometimes it'd be me and some other person across the table. And other times there'd be 10, 20, 30 people showing up. It was very random. So it was a lot of fun. And when the when the pandemic hit, I just took it all online. And then Innovation Women members discovered Bobby's online once a week. We could just go there. That was the end of the entrepreneurs and startups. It's like Innovation Women just took over. That's, and so, well, isn't that the point of creating it, though, for Innovation Women or Innovative Women, women speakers and women adjacent to take yeah. over the world? Absolutely. You were gonna say John was going to say something, yeah. Oh, yeah. Deb, I just want to know, right? Like, all of us have been a part of meetings that have been successful and non-successful. And I'm just curious, like, what are all the love meetings that things have in common, right? So, uh, for instance, I put on a training in uh, 2020, and I called it virtual team building, and 5,000 people took this class. So I'm just kind of curious, what, what are these common factors of when people people love these certain kind of meetings, I'm just curious if Bobby or Phil and Deborah have any common factors they know about. There's something Wait, in it for them. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And in the case of Bobby's meetings, it's more speaker friends, right? Yep. I it's interesting. Like I've seen people come in and end up being on somebody's podcast, Deb. I've seen people come in and get connected with other speakers that you would think would be competitive, but what they do is they join together and they go out and they actually pitch shows 
on the group of speakers who all address different aspects of the same topic. So, for example, we have a burnout panel. It's a whole group of women who all address burnout, but they have different aspects of it that they are addressing. We have another group that I think is actually becoming its own company. They are incorporating this group and they are focused on companies where there is what we call a male dominance or a male saturation in terms of the industry. So that organization has been doing panels together and actually doing business together. I love that. Um, but before I jump to fill on this, I have to share. So I, I talk about when you go to events, you know, have a goal, have a purpose. And last week I did a session on the art and the art and craft of networking for writers and creatives for Women's National Book Association, San Francisco chapter. And as an example, I mentioned that when I go to events, I like to look for shows to be on more media to share my love of goal setting simplified and event outcome optimization. And I got an email about an hour after the event from somebody inviting me on her podcast. So not the intention, but love that response. It was like, ooh, my example worked. <laughs> so anyway, transition, transition. Phil, what do you think makes a meeting successful? I think one of them is a parallel to what we're already talking about is do the people understand and appreciate that we designed the event for them? So um, not just is the content there for them, but it's been, they have the opportunity to personalize it. Um, I think when people walk away feeling like, wow, these were my people, this was my place. They, the music that they played, the way they decorated it, the way people are showing up, they feel like they've walked into something that feels like, man, this could have been my home. I could have designed this. That feeling of belonging and home, I think, is a big success factor um, for why people will keep going back. And that, again, can happen online or in person. Um, but has this event been designed with the audience in mind or was it designed with you in mind? Um, I think a big mistake I've made, I've made it more than once, probably many times. And event organizers, we tend to design events that we'd like. And unless we are the target audience, that's probably not a good idea. And it takes a long time and a lot of um, humility to let go of what you think you would like and to really get to know and understand what it is that audience is going to like. So I think that's one of the big things. Um, there's lots of them, though, that, that will affect what content is being talked about. Have you actually taken the time to get to know what people want to talk about? Um, are you helping to facilitate conversations? Deb, you, you're amazing at this. You get to know people and you understand, oh, well, you need to actually meet Bobby because she's an expert at that. And if you've got people facilitating those kinds of connections and conversations, I think that takes an event from just being a gathering to being something that there's a explosive opportunities because half the people, maybe more walking into your event are shy, um, introverted and aren't sure who to talk to. Um, and so if there are people there that that's their whole mission is to help make sure everyone feels comfortable and feels connected to at least a few people, that's going to change the tenor of the event. Um, I think that's harder to do online than it is in person, but I'm with you, John. I don't like driving um, and flying and staying in hotels all for the sake of that one chance encounter. 
sometimes that chance encounter has been totally worth it. A lot of times it's not right. So it's one of my favorite things to do at in real live events is standing in line and making people stop looking at their phones and either talk to me and talk to other people because you're there in person. You could do that, you know, from anywhere, but use that opportunity. You're all at an event for a reason. Why not start talking? I mean, and, and food, well, food always comes up in my shows. It just depends on when in the conversation, it's something you, if you don't want to use the topic of the event to talk about, talk about what you had for lunch or what you're having for dinner or whatever, because food is really the ultimate conversation starter. And in, in job put in the comments, which I completely agree, the, the drink and food lines are the best networking opportunities, as I'm sure all of us do. We say that when you send a LinkedIn request, especially after you meet someone about an, at an event, always personalize. And you could say, oh, it was great chatting with you in the coffee line. Or wasn't that breakfast like actually good? You know, whatever those memorable things are, they are going to connect you with the person that you just met beyond their name, their company, et cetera. Can I ask a question about food? Because I just wa- yes. observed this happen. So. <laughs> You know, we love talking about food. I think it also is an opportunity where we start to critique the food. And there's something that happens when everyone starts critiquing the food that it affects the culture of what's happening. And I I like to encourage my staff not to be critical, but to be complimentary, just like we do with our kids. You know, if you can't find something good to say, don't say it. I, I just noticed that happening though, that when people start being coming critical, others will join in and all of a sudden they become critical of everything. Is that just me or have you guys noticed that happen? I can chime in though on one. There was one event in the meetings prof- uh, professional community where they kind of didn't spend enough budget on breakfast. It was a bowl of cereal that was sealed eh, and, a, and a carton of milk. It was like something you got in like grade school, like, like, yeah, it was bad. And people started like, uh, this is the thing you don't want at your event. That low level simmering conversation going, Phil, can you believe that they just gave us a box of Cheerios and a carton of milk and cost, you know, charges like $120 admission. It was like. When the food and drink is bad, I think Deb will definitely agree with this. When the food and drink is bad, it will cause a low roar that occasionally will turn into a high roar if it's really bad. It's something you got to get right, I think, at your events. I I think, um, yes, and if the food and drink is non-existent, (laughs) if it's only coffee and water, that's just not okay. It depends how the event was built, but yeah, if you're expecting something and you 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 disappoint, okay. I guess my question is about staff and our contribution to those conversations. Hundred percent. If the customers are complaining and it's a legitimate complaint, the answer is always, "What can I do to <laughs> to make this better for you?" Yeah, I'll give that feedback immediately, right now. Thank you so much. Yes. yes, yes. The answer is the answer is always. How can I help? What do you need? Yes. And if it isn't, they're not your people. And uh, right. Well, and, never, but I, me, and I know as as someone who has been one of Phil's people, hmm. I know the in, immense training that goes into the couple days prior to the event to make sure all the staff is in that service attitude. Like yeah. nothing I had 
ever experienced before. Um, and now I look at customer service ever since my first fill training, I look at customer service completely different with, with a, probably a much more critical eye, because if you're there, there is a reason, right? If you are working an event, which is also a real, I will get off my soapbox in a minute. Maybe there is a reason that you, first of all, volunteering is a great way to get introduced to an event. If you're not yet at speaker level or to meet the people so you can pitch yourself to speak at one point or to meet everybody without being a speaker, but you need to go to it from a, a perspective of service. You are there because you want to be there because you want to meet these people. You want to have genuine connections and start developing relationships. If you're not in that attitude, you you probably will never work in a bed for either of the four of us again. <laughs> that is all I'm saying. Yeah, if I got to add on, we before Bobby jumps in here, which is food is engaging. Mm. Really one of the keys. And that's why food and drink has to get right because uh, otherwise it gets in the way of the real key other goals of the meeting, which are usually networking and education. So one of them is I was once the VP of membership here for our, our meetings professional or MPI chapter. And during that year, we created something called the five-star program. We just said, we're trying to every program earn your five stars of ratings because they actually care. And I gave at every meeting, we gave a text line, whether it was mine or somebody else's, says you could text anything. And one time I got a text going, we have no B&B plates. And I'm like, what, what's a B&B plate? And all of a sudden, suddenly they sent me a picture and they realized they had no bread and butter plates. So they were taking the bread and butter and putting it on their coffee cups that were empty. And it was this was just a massive distraction for this table. But they had texted me about it. And like not more than 60 seconds later, I'm coming in with bread and butter plates for them that I had gotten from the hotel. But it's something so small. But I want to like highlight that 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 opportunity to fix that re-engage them in everything that was going on. They're going, oh, my gosh, these people care. Right. And that they even if they made a mistake that that will go through this. And and Dev, uh, hopefully later on, I can tell you the story about food is engaging about the most amazing spring roll I have ever eaten. But I'll just leave you with food is engaging. Now I need to know about the spring roll. Can you tell it in like 30 seconds? Oh, Bobby. OK, Bobby, let me. <laughs> the short version is I have you ever been to a linea? A Alinea is one of the top. It was number seven on San Pellegrino's restaurants in the world, meaning it was the number one restaurant in the United States at the at the uh, time. And the reason why I did this, I was asked to uh, keynote at Ilea, right? Um, the international. Wait, no, no, wait. It's not that. It's um, uh, uh, shoot. What's the catering executives, right? It's the catering executives and, and events. Anyways, uh, so th there's a bunch of food at the event. So I'm telling the story. And they put on two chopsticks and put something down that's clear and it has flowers in the in the middle of it. And then three courses go on and they don't tell you why they put this there. So all of us are sitting there going, what the heck is this thing for? Four courses later, they come out and they bring this square piece and it has like 20 different dots of flavorings on it. And they take that down. The, the two wood pieces come out. They go and put and they make four points. Then they finally take this piece. That was, turns out it's clear rice paper with edible flowers, Deb. And they drape it over this and then put in there. And it is the best spring roll because they put a filling in there. You can now season it with the 20 different things and now eat the spring roll. And later I got a ch uh, chance to ask the chef, 
you know, how did they come up with this? And they said, after every meal service, they go through and think about new ideas. And I said, where did you get this plate? Where did you buy this? And he goes, oh, we couldn't buy it. We had it put out to be made specifically. There are only 20 of these and they are here in this building. And that blew me away even more about how much care they put into like one piece of food. Wow. I, I feel like it's a really good analogy for events and meetings, right? Because you want to get it right. You want to put flavors that appeal to everyone and you want people to come away with talking good things about the experience. One of the things I want to jump in on is the distractions comment. Okay. You don't want your food to be a distraction. And there is something big time to be said for appropriate food and beverage at your event. Um, there's a couple of examples I have. Number one, one year I went to South by Southwest and a very well-known nonprofit had an incredibly extravagant meal. And it was a little off-putting, I have to admit. I mean, don't not kidding. I think it was a fantastic meal. But at the same time, this is a nonprofit. And I almost felt guilty eating. So that's an appropriate level. Um, I've also been to events where the meals were so good that they literally took people out of the meeting. Uh, One of them was the example for one of our Mass Innovation Nights events. So Innovation Nights, we generally were hosting them in different locations all over the Boston area. Big companies would host the events and they would take care of the catering, the beverages, the location, everything. But we'd always warn them, don't go too crazy because (laughs) it's really hard to tweet when you have a wine glass in one hand and a plate in the other. Mm. You know, make sure that the food is easily consumed, not a mess. Like there's all kinds of things that can happen when the food is too good. That just takes people kind of away from the event. So spaghetti and meatballs? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Hashtag hard no. First date, hard no. None of those donuts with the powdered sugar, okay? Just saying. Oh, my gosh. Beignets. Yes. They go great on beards. (laughs) (laughs) I always wear black. Not a good thing for me. Yeah. I'm I'm still on the powdered donuts because people always serve them. What are they thinking? That they're yummy? Okay, fine. That but... they're not even the good donuts. We only want the cider donuts. It's or that the, season. Or, the, the, or the, um, the stuff, the chocolate. Is it the Boston Ooh. cream? Are those Boston the ones that with the chocolate and the cream Ooh. inside? Ugh, those are the best. <laughs> no spaghetti. No powdered no. donuts. I think, I think we're on to something there. We should put together a list <laughs> of the top 10 worst foods to have at an event. No spaghetti. Uh, anything else to add? Any other bad foods to add before we move on to goals? Well, ribs in the wrong place, right? You know, handheld messy food. Yeah. Durian, 
Durian could be on the list. <laughs> oh, yeah. No Durian. If it requires a fork and a knife, it's probably not good for a networking event. It should be something that you can actually pick up if you're comfortable. Finger doing it. foods. Yep. Finger foods, but not greasy or messy finger foods. Yes. Exactly. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with, uh, and second John's ribs. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nope on the ribs. I love making ribs right now. Sounds good. I'm getting hungry. You guys are making me hungry, and it's dinner time where I live. So thank I'm you. I'm trying to find you a picture of beignets, Deborah. Just from my, I have a recent New Orleans trip, and I do have a beautiful picture of a beignet. I'll bring it up here in a sec. Ooh, that sounds. Jealous. And then we have to talk about the foods that can kill you. <laughs> Hello, I'm allergic to nuts. Oh. Nuts, yeah. tree nuts are the most common allergen. Yeah. I- I cannot tell you the number of times I have been to conferences and events where it's like, hey, here's the cashew chicken. Hey, here's the almonds toasted and strewn across the salad. Ah, no. Like there was one event I went to. I swear to God, every single food item had nuts in it. Wow. I was like, come on. I'm going to give a shout out to. On the way back at McDonald's, I, I want to give a, a big shout out to my friend Tracy Clinton. Sorry, Tracy Clinton. Uh, Tracy Stuckrath, who is uh, meeting at an eating. Check out her podcast and all the things that she's been trying to teach meeting professionals to do about labeling, especially Bobby. Yeah. Yes, That's labeling. Good. Sounds like I need to have her on this show. Oh yeah, she'd be a perfect guest. Okay, invite her to my next uh, meet and greet, please, and thank you. And I know that, like, nobody gets super excited about, you know, the packaged granola bars and stuff like that, but I do because they always have the ingredients printed on them. Mm. So it, I will not always, lie. <laughs> beware of allergies, but also be aware that some people do not eat meat or yeah. fish. Right. Choices. Or oh, choices. Wait. Hello. Yeah, you got to have a lot of choices. Cover all the different categories. It's tough, but it's worth doing. And good venues, good chefs will know how to do it. Yes. So if you do food, do it well. If you do food easy, just have more than the little cereal boxes, have granola bars and other, you know, grab and go kinds of snacks to make sure your people, you don't hear the stomach grumbling from the Don't kill your guests. You also um, don't want to put your guests to sleep right after lunch and feed them, you know, meatloaf and potatoes and then watch them uh, doze all afternoon. <laughs> hey, watch Phil. Now we can be recursive. Look at us. We're like, we're like bashing on food right now. Right. And I just want to just give Phil some credit of like, uh, see, once you, start, once, yeah, once you start, you can't finish. Oh, wait, I found my beignet photo, though. Hold on. Let me see if I can bring it up here. Uh, here's my beignet photo. There we go. Cafe du Monde. Uh, 7 a.m. in the morning. Best so place in the world. So much powdered sugar. So much yes. powdered sugar. Uh, I think all cash. I have a completely different allergy story, though, that uh, surprised me. And that is latex. So we had a bunch of balloons that we blew up for a recent event. And someone walked in the door and said, you've got balloons here, don't you? And they turned around and left. I was like, that's not one I've ever thought about being aware of. Maybe you guys have, but that was a new one for me. Yeah, we had an executive at one of the companies that I worked with that was allergic to them. And it was like the no balloon rule. Yeah. 
So know your, your guests, know your audience, create experiences for them. You want good food, not too good that puts them to sleep, but enough of a variety that everybody is going to be able to eat something. And everyone wonders why meeting profession is like the top 10 most stressful industry in the world. <laughs> it's the food. It's just the food. Just the food alone, right? But this is harder than being an air traffic controller, having people's lives at your stake, is that you're a meeting professional, having people's lives at your stake. So Are anyway, you a doctor? No, I'm a meeting professional. I can handle this. <laughs> <laughs> I only play one. I, you know, I, I'm used to taste buds with Zeb getting me hungry, and this, but I should know that the show does have that ability as well so thank you you're just for gonna making... have to reuse this episode for your next taste <laughs> with dev and you're done <laughs> i once i once had a speaker who was a vegetarian who kept kosher and between those two things i was like oh no it wasn't vegetarian vegan and kept kosher i was like i don't know what to feed this person Oh, Bobby, I got to shout out to my good friend, Nicole Smith, who got Alpha Gal. Have you ever heard of Alpha Gal? Oh, no meat, right? No mammal. No mammals. No mammal. Oh. And so we visited. She actually drove to visit us because it was really cool. We had only met each other virtually for over a year. And she and her husband actually drove to New Orleans to meet me and Donna. And she took us on a tour of all the vegan restaurants in New Orleans. And it was actually really interesting and cool because these are totally restaurants i would never go to right and i don't have to eat vegan but i, I like the food and it was really cool to see some of the top uh new orleans vegan restaurants really kind of show off so it was cool i actually worked with an executive for a german company and he and his wife were vegetarian and yeah. so we're in germany eating at all the vegetarian restaurants all like three of them Maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's German not. It's yoga. not like LA where there's one in every block next yeah. to the to Starbucks and the yoga. This studio. was also a while ago, so it was even harder. <laughs> I can't even imagine. To, you know, I imagine it's probably better today, but uh, that was hard. It was like Midwest hard. Yeah. <laughs> As someone proudly from the Midwest who proudly now lives in LA, yes, you can't. I mean, you can go to the Midwest and probably eat well vegan, but you're in the Midwest. Why would you want to? Yeah, You can also make harder. fun games out of the whole food thing when you're going to a conference. One of the things that I've done a few years is try to have tacos at every meal at South by Southwest. <laughs> I'm there for five days. Tacos, three meals a day, plus snacks. It's possible. Really? And not even repeating tacos. No. I, it's been a while since I, I've been to South By, but I, it's definitely doable. Absolutely. To Breakfast only tacos, tacos for the win. So anyway. <laughs> tacos are engaging too. I'll leave it at <laughs> Oh, yeah. Tacos, are they, they're probably the most engaging food because you can put like anything in them. Right. Very viral. Just Social wrap media. It up in a anything in a tortilla. Right. It's sort of like you can waffle anything and you could taco anything. Mm -hmm. And it's also a way to get kids involved and to eat something. So that works. But also adults. I mean, I would imagine a taco bar. 
would oh, make yeah. a great event food. A baked potato bar. Walking so, tacos. You guys had those? Oh, yeah. Yummy. Wait, what, are, what are they? It's basically Walking. Fritos in the yep. little Frito foil container that they put stuff in. Or Doritos. You, you or pour stuff over it. You know, whatever. so you make your own taco inside the bag with uh, Fritos as the base and walk around and eat it. It's very messy, though. Probably not a good conference food. <laughs> good after conference food. <laughs> You're tired. Sean's it's making like me hungry again. Uh, it's at least engaging my my stomach. <laughs> South by Southwest, you're walking 17 miles. You need your energy food. There you go. So why that's, not? That's true because they never do have the same. It's what, like a mile away, two sessions, right? That's the shortest distance between two sessions is a straight mile at South by. <laughs> I think Deb, though, one of the things that they look at as as a since we're on the food trends is is engaging food. Is that like a taco bar? Or there's been a lot of uh, Asian Pacific Islander things where they're giving the small uh, looks like you know the takeout box as your container. There's a bunch of those things where you can make something the way you want it. And I also think that's another key element to engaging, right? And so talk about Phil. Phil said, what if this event was made for you? Well, what if you actually you were given the choices that you could take the parts of an event that you only you like, which is different than what somebody else likes? And so that's kind of like, what is your buffet in your event, right? And I think that engaging food is like that because it gives you the choice to make the thing that you like, that you want the way you want it. How did we end up down this path? Because. <laughs> tacos, Bobby, it's your fault. <laughs> We ended on this path because food and conferences go hand. Actually, Phil asked the question. Thank yeah, you for oh, this tangent. You're, you're welcome, um, I think. <laughs> no, I, I, I genuine, thank you for this tangent, Phil. This, is, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I know we can go another hour, but I do want to be cognizant of everybody's time. Before we wrap, though, I would love for each of you to gift a goal to our audience, uh, whether as a meeting planner or even... Yeah, well, I guess attendees as well, you know, how they can get the most out of meetings, making it engaging for themselves. But what is your favorite engaging meeting tip? I will leave it vague because I love vague. John, what goal do you want to gift? I want to gift this goal, which is give control to your attendees, right? Uh, that We're looking for the more politically correct version, but uh, someone always gave this to me. Let the inmates run the asylum. And what I mean by that is give your attendees different places where they can take control of what they're doing. Uh, and I think that's one of the key important parts for engagement is let people decide what they want to do, right? If they want to go to a keynote, go to a keynote. If they want to network, if me and Phil want to just sit around and have a beer and, and have a conversation, that might be the most valuable part of the conference for me. And so, uh, yeah, so look for different parts when you can give control to your attendees and let them make their own choice. I bet you 99% of the time, they will make a choice that will make them happy. And speaking of making them happy, right, October 23rd to 25th, and come see Deb on October 20th so you can set goals and get the most value uh, because her code is right here, EVM Deb Eckerling. You get that, you get 50% off, especially if you're one of our amazing VIPs. Back to you, Deb. Well, and thank you for sharing that. And that will also be in the recap, which you can get at thedevmethod.com slash blog, uh, along with the highlights of this conversation. 
So thank you for sharing that. And I, I'm very excited. It is my second year doing a pep talk for the engaging conference, FKA engaging virtual meetings conference. It's going to be awesome. Okay, Bobby, what goal do you wish to gift? So obviously, a lot of the work that I do is with the speakers and kind of tacking on to John's letting people have control, giving them control. If you are a speaker, I want you to make it easy for the audience to understand what your session is about. Okay. We all love the super creative titles and the far-reaching analogies, but one of the pieces of feedback that event managers hate to get is I ended up in the wrong place or the wrong session or this session wasn't what I expected. So Again, we all love creativity. Just don't get so creative that people aren't quite certain what you're talking about. Over to you. I, I think it's uh, <laughs> don't get too creative. Um, no, be informative without being creative. And because of you and Innovation Women, um, my perhaps subtitle is now how to stop wasting the time, energy, and money you spend at conferences. So good. Right. But that came out of a speaker friends because I mean, pap talk works very well for what I'm doing for John. But when I'm working with companies, they, this is what they need to know if they're sending a team to get the most time money, get the most from their time, money and energy. So I already did the goal. Yay me. Love it. But so, so important. And if you're speaking to know what it is that you're speaking about, then you can, you can get creative and then rein it back in also, which is the other fun thing you can do, right? Subtitles. <laughs> yes. This is why we love our subtitles. So but understand that often the event managers have a website or they have a program that is going to require a short headline, a short title. So your subhead might never show. So you got to make sure that that title tells people what they're going to get. So everybody leaves with a fulfilling experience and the hosts invite you back year after year. Absolutely. You want to get those really good grades and you're not going to get those really good grades if people are in the wrong session. So true. So Phil, what goal would you like to gift? This is a gift for all of us to give to our attendees or to ourselves when we go to somebody else's event. And that is put time on your calendar immediately after that event. So that I'll title this, start with the end in mind. Put some time on your calendar immediately following that event before you slip back into the office or your next event or whatever's coming next, where you can debrief and decide what you're going to do with what you just learned. And if you start with that goal at the end of the event, you're actually going to be paying attention during the event and putting things down that you might want to do something about. I think that can transform just showing up and kind of experiencing something and instead making it a launch pad into change for yourself, for your organization, or go change the world. 
depending on what your ambitions are. I, first of all, we know we're of the same mind because that is one of my favorite tips to give people as well, you know, set goals for the event, but also prioritize the time after the event so you can debrief, so you can make a plan. So you make, so you make the most out of the people and the information that you just gathered because that that's really, really the difference for event success. You can go, you can be excited, but do something, move, allow it to move forward. So you can, you can improve yourself, your life, your business, your relationships, all the above, right? Absolutely. What a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Bobby Carlton, John Chen, Phil Marchand for joining me. Where can people find you and learn more about who you are and what you do? Phil? I'd say go to philmarchand.com. And if you want to buy my book, um, add the slash purchase. And it will show you all the places that you can go buy the book. If you land on the main site, um, you'll be able to order a copy directly from me that signed. And all my social links are on that site. Awesome. And Bobby, where can people learn more about you? I am very easily Googleable, but come to innovationwomen.com. Easy peasy. Just the way we like it. Um, and John, where can people learn more about you? You can go to engagingvirtualmeetings.com. If you hit slash con, you can also get to the conference. You want to learn more about me, come spend three days with me. And I guarantee you, you'll come away with one thing that will make your next meeting more engaging, whether it's virtual, hybrid, or in person. Awesome. And I'll be I, there too. Yeah, and so will <laughs> so <I. laughs> What a coincidence. People. Love it. I, I have it marked off. So I'm gonna, <laughs> going to attend as much of it as I can. It's going to be really remarkable. So whether you host meetings or like to attend them, if you want to hang out with a bunch of really awesome people who don't hate meetings, they actually love them, this is the place to go. So whether you love them and want to love them more, or you want to learn to love them, right? I should right. put that in my video. I still owe you a video for that. I didn't forget. It's on the list. Anyway, I am at the Deb Method everywhere, and you can go to thedebmethod.com slash blog to get the recap and replays for this and all my previous um, episodes. <laughs> yeah. And you can subscribe on YouTube and you can subscribe to The Deb Show on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to refresh and or reboot your goals before attending these fabulous meetings, you can grab a copy of your goal guide at your favorite place to buy books. Again, wonderful conversation, but honestly, I expected it to be awesome. I am so glad I was not disappointed. Uh, what final thought would you like to leave people with, John? Oh, my gosh. You want engagement? Engage. I'll leave you with that, which is engage your audience. Just uh, look and figure out how you can have a plan to engage every single person before the end of that. If you do that, I think that people will come back to your meetings over and over again. Awesome. Love it. And Phil, what final thought do you have? Don't be afraid to be yourself. Instead, be unforgettable. There you go.
I apologize. I should have ended with you. Thank you for that. I was going to say, I have to follow that? No. I completely forgot whatever the heck it was I was going to say. Be human. Don't forget. Anytime you have something to say and you get a little off course or maybe you go blank, nobody in the audience knows what you're going to say. So whatever you are saying is the right thing. That's awesome. That's a good way. So be human, be engaging, and be unforgettable. Okay, we've we've figured out the secrets to engagement, engaging, success. Thank you again, John Chan, Bobby Carlton, and Phil Mershon for joining me today. And thank you, whether you're watching Gold Chat Live, live, or the replay, or you are watching this as an episode of The Deb Show on the Marketing Podcast Network. We are so glad you've chosen yourself, your goals, and to learn more about engaging mediums. Um, go, be engaging, be human, be unforgettable. Go out there, go for it, because we know you can do it. Thanks for listening to The Deb Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Deb Method on social media, and check out thedebmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.